Hello and welcome to The Witch Source. And I'm super honored and excited. Um, I have with me today uh, Tamara Von Forslund, who is the Witch of Oz. Um, and oh, where to even begin? Um, I guess let's just get started with how did you get into the craft? Well, I didn't. The craft was in me. <laughs> so it was just birthed and brought out in me when I was a child. Um, I've gone through a lot of processes. I was initiated when I was 14 into a traditional coven. And then when I was 17, I was initiated into an Alexandrian coven because I wanted to find out more. And then I became a high priestess of the Alexandrian thing, but then it was too political. I've also been ordained in Ireland at Clonagall Castle into the Fellowship of Isis by Lady and Lord Olivia um, Durden Robinson from the Fellowship of Isis. Um, and that was quite beautiful then. Of course, they've both passed on since then. But then since the 70s, I've taken control of the clan of Boskednan worldwide as a church religious organization and been teaching people the old traditional ways of the ancient ones. Incredible. So you were first initiated at 14. Um, can you tell us how, how that came about and what was that process like? Yeah, it was very different because I, I wasn't born into the clan. I was lucky to be adopted by my grandmother who adopted me when I was young. Um, I was a bit of a rat bag. I was a runaway child. I lived in the streets when I was little. I was, you know, so it, it was a hard life when I was young. And um, I actually met this person who was advertising and talking about his coven. And his name was David V, and he ran what they called the Coven of Draconis, or Coven of the Dragon. And I met him, and through him I met Lady Margaret de Lille Quinn, who was the Grand uh, Elder of the Clan of Boskednan, and the, also the Coven of, um, well, I'd say the, the Black Forest in Germany, of Hutzburg in Germany, which is where her husband was from. Oh, and... They thought I was 16 because I lied <laughs> about my age. And um, I was just so enthralled. I was just so enthralled and so wrapped. And it, was a, it wasn't a club. It wasn't a membership. It was a family of people really caring. And, yeah, I got involved with that. And then, of course, after a few years, David V passed away with cancer, which was sad. And then the, the, the group closed down in courtesy to his family. And then we all went our own way, and that's when I, we got lost. So myself, my grandmother, or Lady Margaret, um, my sister Layla, we all joined an Alexandrian group, went through the studies. We were there for a while, but it wasn't for us. It wasn't. So then we went back to forming our own group again. So that was it. <laughs> so when you um, decided to form your own group, uh, what was the inspiration for that? And how did you go about um, creating that process together? The, the, the process was quite simple. It was, it, we just did not like um, the strict conservative aspect of modern covens. Modern covens were too, you know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. This is black, this is white. 
And the fact is, is nature teaches us that nothing is black and white. Everything is changeable. Everything is movable. And that we have to follow that process on our own natural rhythms. We cannot be sheep and be told what to do. We have to follow what the gods tell us to do or follow nature or our spirit. And listen, you know, my grandmother used to always say the greatest magic in the world is learning to shut up. And that was her key message to everyone. If we shut up long enough, we will hear everything. We will hear everything. But humans have this weakness where they've always got to out-talk everyone else. So it's, it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And I find that very much in, in Australia. I find that very much in America, that everyone's got to talk over the top and nobody wants to listen to anybody. So therefore, the world is crying out to be heard. Everyone's crying out. I want, so, I want somebody to listen to me, but nobody's listening. So we teach people to listen, to shut up and listen. And, and I tell everyone my job is not to teach you anything new. My job is to unteach you. I want to remove all the, the, the stain and the, and, the, and the negativity and the situations around it and just take you back to your own basis as an embryo. I'm the mother, the matriarch. And I want to rebirth you into a world of just pure, absolute love, magic, nature, and the fae. Listen to the spirits of everything. And I think when I got through all these covens and these modern Wiccan covens or Alexandrian or Gardnerian, even though I'd met different people at a young age, like, like you know, most of the Gardnerians, I'd met sort of um, a lot of people around the world, I, 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 I needed to go back so... My mentor, my elder, Lady Margaret, she said we needed to bring back the clan of Boskedon and teach the old ways but keep it quiet. And we did. Until her passing, she gave me the blessing and to legally open up the Church of Wicca and that's when I fought the establishment in Australia because even right up until the 80s it was illegal to practice witchcraft and illegal to even read tarot cards. People were being arrested and going to jail. So... I had to fight the establishment with much legal carryings on and, and I did that and we got it all legalised statewide in the 70s and then federally in the early 80s. Um, and prior to that, it was a lot of problems. So, And since then, since Lady Margaret's passing, where I've taken over, um, I've then opened it up to the public so that people can find their true self. And it's not about, it's about saying, okay, I'm going to give you the alphabet. Here we are. This is the alphabet. Now I want you to create your own magical words with that alphabet, you know. So it's about giving them the basis, the building blocks to create a language. And that language for us is magic, is witchcraft. And that's what we do. I don't stand for bullshit. I don't stand for lies. Um, I'm very much an Aussie outback bush witch because I live on farms and land and things like that. So, but... I, I love the nice things in life. I travel exclusively to, to connect with people. And I don't like the way the world's going. I don't like all this social media with how people are being so blinded and tarnished because everything is fact and factual and truth. They're all just babies. And I just feel like slapping them all and waking them up. But I'm not allowed to because I'll probably be arrested. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing what people will say and do and come up with when they think they're hiding behind a, a keyboard and a screen. Mm. But 
and that's why I love doing tours. I don't do tours to sell my books because my books sell themselves. I do tours to connect with people. And, and sometimes tours cost fortune. You know, there's no way you're going to make that money back from the tours, but it's about reaching out and connecting with people, showing them how our ritual and ceremony is very different to what a lot of people think it is out there. You know, I've combined the Cornish old magic circle formats with the Aboriginal Australian of doing that together, creating Aboriginal magical witchcraft with didgeridoos, chanting, singing and dancing to create a magical sphere or circle, which is very different. So I believe you cannot work, live in America and honor Aboriginal, Australian Aboriginal, because you're not in the same spirit realm. You need to focus on what your surroundings are, your nature, your trees, the energies around you, um, because everything else is devoid. So connect with your universe before you can worry about the rest of the world. I love that. That's so true. It is. Wow. Yeah. So going back to the core of your teachings um, and the blending, what would you say is the if you had to kind of put a label on the early clan, the original clan, what were those teachings like? Were they, and where did they stem from, do you think? Well, they've always been there. And the, and the factor is, is, is Boskedon pre-English was very Saxon, was very Welsh as well. And, and they had their own, it was their own country, their own land. They had kings and queens. There were royal clans that they had there. And the four dominion or dominating clans had passed away. But then under them were what they called the eight major clans. And they were the eight clans of the bear, the wolf, the horse, the things like this. And then the crow, the, the toad, the, the salmon, you know, things like this. And then every clan would come together for the major festivals. But the thing is, is the standing stones that we see today, like Stonehenge and all those, are the temples. They're the ancient places where, where each rock has an electromagnetic energy like a human being. And we work with those energies because rocks are ancient. They have that knowledge mm -hmm. and they've obtained that knowledge. It's about a library of book. I mean, you can look at a book all you like, but until you open the pages, you're not going to be able to know what the hell's inside. So it's like a rock until you open up that rock and look what's inside, then you can know the essence and the power of what that's all about. And each portal, each stone or dancing stone or shadow stone, whatever you want to call it, that is formed around our magic circle is what we call a pathway to the Fae. And it's where we believe in what we call the red serpent. And the red serpent is between the worlds and takes us between the worlds. We can go above world, we can go to this world, and we go into the underworld, the other world. And we also learn to listen so much that we have a language that's very different, the language of the Fae. I mean, you, you watch movies now, and they have these great languages of vocabularies where they've created for the fairies, the people. And Well, that language has always been there, but it comes from within yourself, and it's like a lot of things. It's sort of all there, but it, the rituals are very different. We... We use the rocks not as the outer part of a circle just to make it look grand like the walls of a church or a temple, but we incorporate it by doing the spiralling through the rocks 
to create the movement of the red serpent or the red dragon bringing the energies from one world into our world. So we bring it from the underworld to the other world, to our world, to, to whatever. Whether you call it a breadwin or a noon or anwin, it's, it's all there. Mm. So it's working and bringing them all together in a pulsating rhythm within those stones. And those stones create a barrier of the magic from without and within. And at the same time, it's not just one circle we're creating, we're creating three. Because mm. we have the outer circle, the other world circle, which is the inner circle, and then we have the inner circle, which is the underworld. Mm -hmm. So we bring all those together into one concept within these big spheres, a circle within a circle within a circle. And that's what true witchcraft is all about. And it's not about, I, I look at so many of these things and every Wiccan circle that I look at has got all these things that are combined from ceremonial magicians, from, from sort of different lodges and organizations, and then they work with archangels. Well, archangels have got nothing to do with bloody witchcraft. It's it's not only, well, it's not even Judaic or Christian, it's actually originally Persian. Angels were created originally in Persia. And it wasn't until the fourth century that some artist came along and decided we need to put wings on our angels instead of giving them ladders and stairs and ropes. So then they put wings on the angels to make them look good and they adopted that from the Egyptians. So. Everything changes, everything bastardizes the truth, the truth of the ancients, to we to the extent that we lose that original concept. It's like everyone loves looking at a big oak tree, but they never look at the seed that grew that oak tree. Mm. And it's the seed that's the important factor, not the tree. It holds all the information. Yes. It is the very DNA. The essence, which is like ours, our seed, which is within ourselves or our inner star. So like modern technology, we all talk, we, we follow all these Eastern traditions which have no bearing on our movement. We're not Eastern. So we look at chakras, but we call them in our system the inner stars. And we always work towards the north, not because it represents just the physical world and the earth and the energy, but we work because it's the northern star above where our ancestors believe we came from. Our very DNA came here, whether it landed in a swamp as a as an amoeba and then crawled through the abysmal spot swamps and grew and, and changed as into humans at later. But this is why we always honor the north. It's the place of what we call our ancestors, the old ones, the ancient ones, gods and goddesses, because the northern star is originally our home. That's how we see it. <laughs> That's beautiful. That, that's beautiful. I feel like I've already learned bukus of information just But that's just a smidgen of what we teach. And, and we try to teach people, but we don't want people going out there espousing. See, the problem with the world is that they, 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 they all of a sudden they wake up and go, oh my God, I'm a brain surgeon. I'm going to go out and do surgeries, you know, or, oh, I'm a witch. I'm going to go and do magic and, and, and I'm going to zap this person because they pissed me off. You know, you can't wake up and say that. It becomes an experience of training to get to that level. And, and the word or title witch is only the first stage. It's, it's the baby stage of our training. Our training is to become the, the, the clan mother or clan father or, or as you would say high priest or high priestess. It's, it's aspiring to become something greater. 
the witch is the selfish stage. It's about saying, I'm going to be selfish at this level because I'm, I need to develop myself and become a powerful energy between the worlds to heal and help. But because I can't heal anything until I've healed myself. And I'm, humans are very unwell mentally, physically, astrally, psychically, and spiritually. We're sick. <laughs> and we've got to heal that. And we talk a lot of rubbish. <laughs> well, well, I do anyway. <laughs> I love that. No, you're so right. I mean, that's very in line with a lot of what I believe is, is we have to go through and start doing our inner work and healing before we can really do anything else in the world. So it's very important to know that we cannot love anything until we love ourselves. And 80% and of human beings don't really love themselves. And we can't heal anything until we heal ourselves. And that's the sad. And, and we teach, we have our courses. And, and people expect my courses because I'm, I'm well-known internationally. They expect them to be thousands of dollars. and really, But they're $350 for the whole year. That includes membership, free entry to all our gatherings, workshops and circles. And it's once a week. And plus you go onto our private Facebook page and you connect with all our people from around the world and you teach and learn from each other as well and share instead of bombarding me. And people love it. I, I mean, I've, had, I've just had last September, because I do all initiations in September. I mean, last year in September, I had a, a priest or somebody who'd been with me 30 years and just became a high priest. It's not about racing to the end. And then I had another second degree, another person who wanted to become a, a cunning person or a priest. And they'd been involved for 20 years. So it's not about time. And yet I've had people that go become a priest or priestess within a year, two years. It's about your own personal decision of growth because to me, it's about dedication. If you can't dedicate, don't do it. Don't waste your energy. Don't waste your time. And it's like people say to me, oh, oh, Tamara, she's evil. She put a curse on me. And I go, why? Why would I waste my time? Because when, for me to do a ritual takes hours of preparation. I say, I don't need to put a zapping whammy on anyone. I'll just walk up and punch you in the face. <laughs> it's better pleasure. I get more enjoyment out of it. But it's why waste your energy on something that is so boringly rubbish yeah i that makes a lot of sense to me i think there's so many people out there that go around um and they're worried that they're cursed and it's like you got to be really important to somebody for somebody to put that amount of energy and intent into doing something like that and on top of that if somebody's out there you know willy-nilly trying to do these curses and stuff they're probably not going to be very impactful no, no. But see, that's like we were talking about the seeds. See, I don't believe a person. I can say the word, oh, curse me. Go on, come and bring it on. I don't give a damn. I'm not scared because I won't allow anyone to plant their seed in me. And that's what a curse is. A curse is somebody planting a seed in someone saying, you're cursed. And you believe it and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm, I'm... stubborn. And even if they plant that seed in you, why would you think about it, water it, nurture it to make it a reality? Right. Starve yeah. the shit out of it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, in, it's like in Christian churches. When you go to Pentecostal churches or Christian churches, they talk about the devil 80% of the time. 
It's all about the negative and the things and all this, you know, instead of the old saying, get thee behind me, Jesus, you know, why not say, well, get in front of me, Jesus, and to hell with all the bullshit. There is no Satan. There is no darkness. I believe nothing evil can survive in an atmosphere of pure love and light. Nothing. I completely agree with that. Um, absolutely. So, wow. Um, you mentioned your classes. If somebody is interested already in doing a class, how can they do that? They can just contact me via my, um, my, my email. They can contact me through my websites, which, as I said, is either clanofbosgedanen.org or tamaravonforslin.com. Uh, or my email is just tamaravonforslin at gmail.com. And they can get involved. We start actually the, this course this Sunday. So we start this Sunday. So if anybody wants to hear this and wants to come and learn, come join us because you're not going to be disappointed. It's And if if it's 10 o'clock a.m. our time, you were saying it's 8, uh, 10, 8 o'clock your time, p.m. So they'd be doing it Saturday nights instead of Sunday mornings my time. And as I said, it's it's only $350 for the course and membership and free entry to all our festivals and gatherings. Plus you get also uh, discounts on all my books and I've written quite a lot. <laughs> so, um, And it's not about the money, but that money goes all the way to the sanctuary. So we're building a sanctuary here in West Australia. We're building one in America as well. Um, and one of a couple of our elders are organising that. And we may even be starting to have festivals over there, uh, public festivals uh, within the next couple of years as well at our own grounds or place. Oh, that's awesome. So is your clan considered Wiccan or what are what would you consider the roots? We're, we're witchcraft. We're not Wiccan. Wiccan is a modern concept created by um, Alexander's Gerald Gardner, <clears throat> even though it was first mentioned as Ouija, Ouija, but the word wish is witch, or the original term is wish, not witch. So when the missionaries came and heard the word witch, they wrote down W-I-T-C-H, where the original word is W-I-C-C-H-E, wish. And that's how it's pronounced. So it's changed over the years. But witchcraft and Wicca is very, very different. You've got to remember that at this stage of our change, we had all these lodges and ceremonial circles coming out from the 18th century, 19th century that were all awakened. But witchcraft was buried still. It was quite secretive. And yet every time somebody wanted to learn more about it because it was so close because of the fear of that present technological society, they, they kept it still quiet because people were still being persecuted. Even up until it was legalised in the 50s and, and denounced as illegal, it, people were still terrified. But once Gardner and, that, and Alex came out and said, here we are, we're, we're Alexander and Wicker, Gardner and Wicker, we're here, people all of a sudden grew and they, they came out of the web and they all wanted to learn. But then they thought, oh, we've got to really have something here. And because they had snippets of the truth, they added that in. But then they also added snippets from ceremonial magic, from Golden Dawn, from um, Egyptian, from Rosicrucian, from Freemasonry. They added all these things which had nothing to do with witchcraft. Mm. But they created a new form of witchcraft. But see, I don't see it as witchcraft. I see it as Wicca. 
And then in that organization as a Wicca, because I have been initiated as a Wiccan, as you're initiated, you become a witch as your first degree level. Then the second degree, you become a priest or priestess. So you go above being a witch. And then at the third degree, you become a high priest or high priestess. So that's all there, but it's still, again, pretty different. Yeah, we work with the elements, we work with the energies, we work with the quarters, we work with the festivals and things like this. But but we don't use things like athemas so much, even though I've got one, because the athema was traditionally comes from the Persian, from the Adami. Adami was called the blood letter. And it was originally their ceremonial dagger used by the witches and magicians of them in their rituals. And then this was adopted as the athema or athemi, as some people call it, to use in ritual. But then another organization used the athema as a blood letter because during the burning times, people to save themselves would cut off exuberances like lumps or moles and things like this because they were classed as the devil's mark. So they used the knife to cut these things off so they wouldn't be persecuted and killed. So there's a lot of excuses, a lot of reasons around it. But today, after 100 years, it's been used now as a ceremonial tool. And again, the traditional witch's dagger or other should never be used physically to cut anything. It's an etheric tool or spiritual tool that's used like a wand. In our circle, we use wands more and we use stangs or um, staves, if you wish, as our ceremonial tools. <laughs> that that's very interesting and and fascinating. Um, I, I have one right there. I'm looking at it. The a staff. Your staff. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is the true seeker will find their tool, and the tool will find them. And with wands and staffs, I see people take these beautiful pieces of wood that Mother Nature has broken or left for them to find, and they destroy it, thinking, well, I'm better than Mother Nature. I'm going to cover it with feathers and crystals and wind it and bind instead of just the power and magic of that wand. You know, we don't need to make it any. You can put a crystal at the end of it or you can do something, but don't destroy the actual beauty of what it's all about, you know. I love that. Yeah, I actually do. My wand is just a plain, plain wooden wand, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, and my staff is a plain wooden staff. I mean, it's got a little bit of a leather wrap where the hand goes, but other than that, it's it's very basic. So you're making me feel good about that. <laughs> and, and the thing about them is, you've got to remember that the staff were used for several reasons. The staff was used as a defense mechanism for fighting and protecting, as in a warrior combat, which we teach in the clan to women and men as well. It's also used for ritual and ceremony, and it's used also to mark out to plant seeds and growth as well. And when you have the stang that's got the horned points on it, you've got two furrows then to plant seeds as you do it. Or if you're using it to fight a stang with the horns, if somebody comes at you with a sword and you put that in between and you twist it, you can break the sword or get the sword out of the hand. So they are all defense mechanisms as well. One tool is used for multiple, multiple reasons. I love that. See, this is the thing that, that that's not out there in books. A lot of people, I talk about this in my new book on the, the witchcraft of Boskedon and there's things like that in there. But a lot of people going, I've never heard that before. And I'm going, well, because 
people don't know. Right. And I'm wanting people to know because I want people to go back to the truth. I'm, I'm getting old. You know, I'm at the end of my cycle. But I want, before I leave this planet, I want people to know the truth and get rid of all the airy-fairy bullshit and rubbish that's out there because it doesn't belong. The more fake you become with your thoughts and faith, the more fake your faith becomes. Wow. All right. So, uh, just wow. Um, <laughs> I have I have bazillion questions, and I also have stuff I want. Ask to away. We can always do another interview if you want to, darling. If you come up with more, we can always do it again. Yeah, I I do. I have bukus. Um <laughs> So we can even come and do my course. You'll probably enjoy it. I I I think I might because I you've already Monica, got Monica's Monica's doing it. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm game. Like I am so fascinated already, um, and I'm hooked. Uh, <laughs> it's just it. I've been seeking, and so um, it sounds about right for me. That's beautiful, and 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 the perfect word there is seeking. We're always seeking. You know, when you go on the internet, you see all these people that know it all. I get so upset. I've been I've been here studying for 60 years, training and teaching people for 60 years on this planet. And I still am seeking. I'm still the seeker. And we should always be the seeker because every time we find a truth, we're like a little kid in a fairyland. We get so excited. And that's beautiful. And that's what we need to understand and realize. So yeah, absolutely. Is so you're in Australia, and I know you said you blend um, the Aborigine uh, culture and, and I assume magic in with um, a core magic. And is that what came from England, is the, the two blendings? I blend it myself because of the land where I live. So I've taken the core knowledge from Cornwall, the Boskedman magic of doing the circle and everything. And because no matter where you go in the world, it's always similar, whether it's Native American Indian, whether it's Druids, whether it's shamans, they all have these beautiful circles. They have similar energies, similar things that they do. But the Aboriginal culture of Australia is the oldest long going tradition in the world, 80,000 years. Oh and it's the most powerful thing of dream time. When I was at, um, I came over and stayed with Selena Fox and I was there as a guest for PSG at their big festival there uh, pre-pandemic, just before the pandemic, because I haven't been anywhere since. And um, she asked me to do the opening ceremony and the ritual. And I had a didgeridoo player with me, a ritualist. And one of my high priestesses over there, Zenobia, she helped us. And we, I brought over traditional earth essence incense made by elders here. And brought it over. We did a full Aboriginal ceremony of invoking the energies over there and welcoming the spirits of the land in America in an Aboriginal traditional way. And it was done very differently with didgeridoos and everything. So it's quite powerful and quite beautiful. I loved. I love doing bringing that sort of thing into it. And when I do, when I go to Starwood Festival, I will be doing that same sort of thing if I'm doing the ritual there, doing the same thing because my didgeridoo players. He's in America. He'll be there as well. And I'll be doing it also at Hexfest as well. 
Yes. So you will be here uh, in 2024. Um, and tell us a little bit about the places um, that you're going. So you're going to start um, in Ohio in July. In July, I come over, I think on the 5th or 6th of July, I'll be at the Buckland Museum presenting and doing workshops and rituals there and presenting my new books and people can get their signed books from me at the museum. Um, and that'll be my new book by me and Raymond Buckland on the Romany Tarot deck. And, um, and then, and on my Boskin and Magic and Witchcraft as well. And then from there, uh, we then drive to the Starwood Festival and I'm there for the, I think it's eight days or 10 days. And I'll be there doing several workshops. I'll be doing one workshop on, I've got to try and remember now, on Boskin and Witchcraft, teaching them that. Another one I'll be doing is on the Romani, the magic circle, using the magic circle and Romani gypsy tarot deck in the magic circle, how to use and contemplate through divination. And then, uh, and then I'll be doing the Aboriginal ritual one and then I'm doing something else, can't remember. <laughs> but I can't remember. Whenever I go to these things, whenever I go there, and then I always I mix with everybody. Like most elders don't mix with everybody. I travel, walk around, meet with everyone. And then every night, about 8, 9 o'clock at night, I invite people wherever I'm staying in the cabin or campsite, I bring them around, we all sit and we just share and talk and do all this sort of thing and I involve them and whatever they want to ask me, it's open and then we just do that. And that's something that I do every night. I do it every time I'm over there and PSG and all that sort of thing. Um, and then after that, I'm coming back to Australia, but I'll only be back here for a couple of weeks because then I fly back to America and I go to Dallas for a private ceremony circle of initiations over there. And then I go from there to New Orleans at the Hexfest on behalf of Christian Day and their beautiful Hexfest. They've invited me over. Wonderful. And we're doing all the workshops and things there for them. And then from there, I then fly back up. I go up to Salem. And that's when I'll spend a bit of time, hopefully, with my friend, with Laurie Cabot and a couple of others that are up there as well. And just shop, go shopping for all my clan, my girls back here and, and that and bring them back some nice gifts. <laughs> I love that. Uh, shopping and shopping. I love shopping. It's one of my favorite things as well. <laughs> yeah. It's an evil that I've tried to try to get rid of, but it's something where that shadow keeps coming back saying, just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, it's funny because I was just thinking about that today. Like I have got to reel that in. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I do love it though. <laughs> so fun. All right. Well, that's, that's wonderful. You are going to be very, very busy. Um, and you mentioned your new book. So you're writing one um, with permission from uh, Raymond Buckland and his wife. Um, and tell us a little bit more about that. Well, the, the new book that's just come out is the Witchcraft of Boss Kidnam. And it's the Lost Magic of Cornwall. That one's just been released in the last month. That's gives you a lot of insight about what we do and everything we do. Uh, it gives you the snippets of what our course is about, but it, it just gives you a little bit more. So it's quite, in, quite informative. But the new book that we've been writing for a while um, is because um, Raymond Buckley was my mentor. He's the one that called me the Witch of Oz. 
he's the one that gave me that title back in the 80s. So it was quite a fun thing for him to, to call me that because he was called the father of American witchcraft and I was called the mother of Australian witchcraft. So together, Mama and Papa were travelling and we had to come up with a different name. <laughs> so he called me the Witch of Oz. But the new book that I've got is um, the master book of Romani um, Tarot and working with that in a magical sense in journeys, using it traditionally how it was way back before in the Egyptian and Romani traditions before it was changed. Uh, it's very, very different. The Romani Tarot deck is probably one of the most incredibly powerful and beautiful and very, at the moment, because it's been not printed for many years, it's very, very expensive. And I'm talking about thousands of dollars that people buy the decks or the, or the box sets now. You can buy illegal copies of it made from Europe, Russia, I think it's made, um, mm. which are illegal copies of it, which is pretty sad. But right. once it comes back out and gets republished and redone, hopefully next year, um, we can, we'll be travelling with that and talking about sharing about that. And it's all about the journey to go within. It's about using the cards on personal journeys, how to work within the magic circle with it and how the Romanes protected it for thousands of years after being taken out of Egypt. Wow. So it's, it's quite beautiful. And, and the Buckland deck is absolutely beautiful. It's very basic, very simple. And Lasanne, who, who did all the artwork, she really connected and tuned into the, to the beauty of the Romani. And um, the artwork is just exceptional. You really connect with it. Such a great. So when we can bring that out next year, that'll be amazing. It's so the, the little snippets of knowledge. Usually we don't talk about things that we're bringing up, but this is going to be exciting for me. I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I've never really connected with the the tarot myself. Um, I use a, an Oracle deck that I've, I've used for about 15 years now. Um, and I've studied the tarot off and on. It's just, I've never clicked with it, but I'm fascinated to check this one out and see if it will. Mm. And I think, I mean, I haven't, I also, like you, did not connect with the tarot because it too was bastardized. It was changed so much from the original that it became very patrifocal. And again, when Arthur Waite got hold of it, he changed it all to a ceremonial magician's point of view. He changed the wands from the east to the south and the swords to the east. He changed everything around. He made it more patriarchal. He changed the colorings. There was no symbolism and everything on it. And it, a lot of it was drained of all the original concept. And yet A. Waite or Arthur Waite is probably the biggest selling tarot deck in the world because there's about 20 different types out there. Yeah. But it's still it's still not good for me. And yet the, the Romany deck of Buckland is so incredibly powerful because it is from the original truths of the Roman Gypsy, which were the original keepers of the tarot that took it out of Egypt. But they added to it because the original tarot was only 28 plates. That was the major arcana. And okay. through the journey, it was the Romani that added the other four plates or other four books, um, which which sort of were based on the elements, earth, air, fire and water. So they did that. So that's what how it grew because originally it was just very different. I'm, I'm excited to, to see this and for it to come out and the book and and learn more because um, it I'm already fascinated so I already feel like that little bit of pull in so I'm thinking that that might be the one because uh, the others just don't don't quite do and, it and you want to know a big surprise about it 
is the magician in the deck is a woman. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Women were magicians as well. Okay. I love that. Makes sense to me. You know, I I think there's a reason people talk about a woman's intuition. Um, It all makes sense that there's something there. Old. Always, always something there. Yeah, something old there. Awesome. Okay, so um, tell us a little bit about the the last magic with Cornwall. You touched on it briefly, but I want to know a little bit more about that one. It's trying to take people back to the essence of what witchcraft was all about. It's trying to take people back to the to the spirits of the land of learning to listen within. We all have that very DNA within ourselves and all our DNA goes right back to the beginning. So the thing is, is we just don't listen anymore. We don't even listen to our own truth. We, we'd rather listen to our stupid anger or frustration or emotion and our emotions are always wrong. We've got to go deeper into our soul, not our heart, because the heart can blind us. You know, it's like you fall in love, you see someone, you go, oh, they're my dream, they're my, they're my star, they're my, my soulmate. Oh, I love them. And two years down the track, oh, God, I hate that person. I wish they were dead. And that's because we see with our eyes. And the problem is, is everything we do in our life is by our physicality, which is rubbish because we've all become pretend we've we're not who we were meant to be and we've we've created the person we are today instead of allowing the person that we were in the beginning to truthfully come out and show themselves Mm -hmm. and this is why the world's changed and that's why you know 80 percent of these people that call themselves witches hide behind cameras they're never out they never go to festivals or gatherings or they're studying you see them training people and teaching people in groups and making money from it and they've never ever studied or learned. They just take bits off the cart, put it together with a pretty piece of paper, and they go, yeah, there you go. I can teach you everything. But the Cornwall witchcraft is very different. It's about charms, charm magic. You walk through the bush, you find fruit, nuts, shells. Um, you find you know, bones, feathers, things like this. This is magic, magic of the very essence of that being or creature or tree. And it's about being able to connect with them. You know, even up until the 18th century, it was illegal to chop down an apple tree. You'd be put to death. So because it was a sacred tree. And that wasn't because of the Garden of Eden and the apple. It was just, it was a tree that gave fruit and life to people because it had so many nutrients in it that it helped people. And the old saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away work because it gave you everything that you needed uh, during that season of summer. And then during winter, it was the orange or lime or lemon that did the, the same. And Cornwall magic takes you back to the fae. It's about looking into nature, listening to nature, finding the pathways to, to the fae of the other world, how to connect with them. It tells you about working with nature and the animals and listening to the spirits of the nature, not, not in the respect of mastering them or having them do as our bidding, but for us to be their pets and learn from them. Um, and that's important as well. That's sort of, um, you know, whenever I think of my pets, my animals, I always think, well, yes, you own me because I'm at your beck and call no matter what you want. 
but there's so much to learn. It's, it teaches about the inner stars, like the inner stars of what we do, which is what people call chakras. You know, in, in our philosophy, we call them inner stars because we take that star of the north from where we believe we came and that we have that star, a seed of that star within our very selves and it's within our being that we utilise and use those stars for our witchcraft. The same as we don't do um, some of the tools we don't use. Like I said, we use wands and staffs and things like this. Uh, other things that we use, we use um, oh, lots of things. You know, it's, it's very hard to, to explain. There's so much to go on. Like I've said to you before, it's, it's, there's just so much involved. It's very, very different. Um, it's just beautiful. And it's a family. You know, I always tell people when they come into our clan, it's a family, treat it as that, and I welcome them home because I believe that we've been together before, once a witch, always a witch. And my job is to awaken people back to themselves to bring them back into the fold because I may have been your teacher in a past life and I'm bringing you back to teach you to the next stage or next level. Or I could have been the student and you the teacher. It, it changes, you know, so we're all there. And this is why the Wiccan concept of has to be a fertility group, has to be male, female, male, female, what a load of crap. You know, we've all got male within us. We've all got female within us. We are not one creature we are a mixture of both we are both electromagnetic and if we can tap into that energy we don't need to polarize ourselves by saying well there has to be a man there and a female there and a man there and a female there mm. initiation is not about a man and a woman this is the wiccan way of a man and a woman being initiated a man initiates a woman a woman initiates a man that's wiccan in true witchcraft women had women initiations Men had men initiations. That was it. Because it's very different. So there's different ways of utilising that. You know, we keep that polarity and that's why it doesn't matter whether you're gay, straight, pink, green, purple. I have all these, oh, look, I, I wrote this article not so long ago about all the terminologies that I was learning about different types of witches. I'm going pink witch, white witch, blue witch, black witch, green witch. I'm thinking, holy shit. I'm a, I'm a rainbow witch because I just, I'm a little bit of everything. <laughs> so. I love that. <laughs> so true. Wow. Okay. Uh, and you recently wrote a book um, that is winning awards. Um, can you mm -hmm. share with us about, about that one? That was my passion. I, because I'm getting older and, um, in my twilight years, so to speak, I don't know how much longer I can travel and be traveling and meeting people. And the sad thing is, is in the last 10, 20 years, so many of my friends are dying, they're gone. You know, when we're 20 and 30, we go to 18th birthdays, 21st, weddings, um, baptisms, things like this. And as we're older, we just go to funerals. And it's just so disheartening that when I travel so much and I meet people and, and so many people don't know who the elders are. They don't know who Margot Adler is. They don't know who uh, Raymond Buckland is. They, they've heard the name, but they don't know who they are. And so I wanted to create a book as a, as a, as a book for people to, to understand all the elders and what they had done, what their mission in life was done, their achievements and their failings. It wasn't about attacking people because... They, they did this wrong or did that bad. It was about telling you what their traits were, 
that were beneficial in fighting the community because without the elders, no one would have the freedom that they've got today. You wouldn't be able to run around calling yourself a witch or a pagan or a heathen or whatever because it's the elders that had the guts and the ego. And believe you me, we all had to have that ego because we had to have that power of belief in ourselves so we didn't get scared. Right. And that's exactly the difference. And we got out there and we fought the establishment. We got the whippersnipper out and we created a pathway for people to follow and people to find their truth. <clears throat> and people don't understand that. They don't honour the elders. And I find that in so many cultures that the elders are forgotten. People get old, they're put into bloody homes and they're just ignored. So this book was a book of passion of all my friends that have passed away and other people, other elders that I'd met. And then so many elders that are behind the scenes that people never heard of because they do everything. They don't want notoriety. Right. But they do things by planting food and giving it to the poor or supporting or, or doing things for the elders and, and things like that. So I wanted everybody in there. And now I'm writing a second chapter to that, a second book to that, because that one was called uh, Pagans and Witches of the World, Past and Present. Now I'm writing a new one, which is the same title, but Present and Future, of all my elderlings, of all the young ones that are 20, 30, 40, even 50 years of age that are taking over from us elders and have the ability and common sense to hold themselves back and knowing when to step forward and helping to guide all the people. And there's so many of them. There are so many incredible people out there. You know, Christian Day is one. Um, Brian is another one. Um, Jason Myers is another one. Alexander Cabot's another one. You know, there's so many people out there that have this ability to bring people in and to share with them and, and, and be honest with them, even though it may be brutal. Right. So that's what this book's all about. And it goes from the 15th century all the way up to 2020 or whatever. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And there's um, over 500 pages. So it's a big book. <laughs> and you're getting awards for this. Yeah. Getting awards. Is a, it's very, it's done very, very well. I'm really happy for it. Uh, I'm collecting award next year for it again. I've already had two. So it's just, it's nice notoriety. And that's, it means that people are enjoying reading about the elders of the world. And hopefully, like I say to everyone, you know, elders, if you go and see them, go up and give them a hug. Give them some of your energy because we're old. We need the energy. <laughs> are you in the book? I am. Good. Good. Yeah, I am. I love that. And when if you buy the book and you come and see me at Hexfest or at Starwood, bring your book or buy your book from me and I'll sign it for you. And the good thing about those books, people are actually taking them when they're going to different festivals in case an elder is there and asking the elders to sign their name in the book. So it's like a, 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 a sort of like an autograph book. So it's great. So, that and is. And Oberon, Oberon Zell, who's a good friend of mine, he loves signing his books. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that. Uh, it's almost like it reminds me of like when we would have yearbooks. Uh, I don't even know if they do that anymore, but everybody would go around and sign each other's yearbooks and 
a little yes. note in there. It's the, same thing. it's the same thing. And that's this is our community, the pagan community, and it's all around the world. So it's people not just from America, it's from Australia, New Zealand, Europe, Asia, you know, all over the place. It's, it was a book of pride and passion. I love it. I, I loved it to pieces. That's incredible. I love that too. So we talked a little bit about uh, Wicca and the difference between it and and witchcraft. Um, do you have any thoughts on any of the other um, traditions and, and groups out there? We have like, um, oh, I don't know, like uh, there's several different lines of Wicca, but then there's like the Druids and, um, you know, different different groups how many different groups do you come across and are do you feel like there's some similarities and differences in in you know what the core of what you're teaching the the traditional and and some of the other groups out there that are coming up yeah i think it's very hard to teach something today that's thousands of years old because we've lost it all. We've lost so much. So most of it is either awakened or handed down or taught. Druids are very lucky that they've always been an accepted clan or organisation in the world, especially by the royal family where they even ordained and, and blessed the queen. I don't know if they're going to bless Charles, but Druids have always been accepted as the priesthood of the British Isles. And... You know, you've got chief druids that are all around. Even the chief, a lot of them are in my book as well because they are still part of the pagan community. And, you know, I don't see anything wrong with any organisation. Even though I, I say that I'm, I'm not Wiccan, I am Wiccan to a certain extent, but I do not follow that philosophy or structure purely because I've, I've found a more traditional way that takes me back to the roots a little bit better. Um, and I like the original concept of things. And there's a lot of organisations. I mean, you know, I've travelled the world learning from Native American Indian cultures. I, I travelled with the Dalai Lama and worked with him for 11 years with mm -hmm. the Dalai Lama. And was, I had blessings from him and got photos with him and all, all that sort of thing. But I meet people like Selena Fox, who is so down to earth, so grounded, doesn't have an ego, she doesn't, she just, she's just who she is. And the funny thing about myself and Selena is that 40 years ago, we did a documentary called um, Occult Influences or something. I can't remember now. I've done so many documentaries. And it took us 30 years to actually meet because we were always so busy. She was busy with her organisation. I was busy with my organisation. Even though we were in the documentary, we never got to meet. And it's the same as Stuart and Janet Farrar. They were friends of mine. And now we were, We've been ordained into the same organisations and things like this. They were friends of mine. Um, there's just so many elders that, that I've met that I've been lucky of throughout the world. <clears throat> and the funny thing is, is that I don't talk about them much. But then when people go, oh, somebody said that you know such and such, that's a load of lie. You're lying, aren't you? And I go, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Probably. And then people go, oh, somebody said, you know, Raymond Buckland. You don't know Raymond Buckland. And then they went out and bought his big blue book. And in the back of his big blue book, he acknowledges me and puts my name in there. 
And they saw that in the book and they came up back to me and they went, oh, look, uh, I'm really sorry. And I said, I don't care. Right. I said, you've made, it, you've made your statement because you made your statement by listening to gossip without trying to find out the truth. And the fact is, is that there's always a hundred different versions of the truth. So it doesn't matter. You know, I'm not interested. You know, you could tell everyone I'm a drug addict, a prostitute, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, and I'll go, I'll agree, because maybe in one of my past lives I was them. <laughs> so you know, so I'll, just, I'll just say I'll agree to everything. See, whatever you want to call me, yeah, I'll go, okay. <laughs> and I know I I'm, know evil. I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> I know you said that um, the path, that where you teach and the different initiations, um, it's not on a timeline per se. It's, you know, when the person's ready, but are there initiations in, in what you're in, what you teach? Oh, um, An initiation is, it, it's not just about beginning. An initiation is about me. I'm not interested in your mortal body or your mortal world. I'm interested in your whole aesthetic, uh, spiritual magical self and this is why when you take on a new name you become that person to me and when like your, your name might be george and then you get, you're initiated and you call yourself merlin well it takes me a year to remember your name as merlin but once i remember that i forget who george is <laughs> so and and it's about me awakening yourself it's a death process so my job is when i bring you into my world into that self through initiation I kill Whitney and create the new person, whoever, whatever name you take or is given to you. Right. And that child I then mould and birth and bring into being. <clears throat> and it's my job to awaken all your past and bring that into fruition into your life. Right. So you become a culmination of all your lifetimes and remember and awaken the witch within becomes the witch without. Beautiful. So it's pretty magical. Yeah. And, and initiation is, but there is only ever one initiation. There can be elevations or acceptances to higher levels. So an initiation is done for you, for your purpose. Now only you can ask for it, know when you're ready. And when you're ready, then it happens. And then from that, that's why I travel so much because a lot of people can't afford to come to me. So the ones in Australia, I do initiations every September. And then I do initiations in summer, always over there in America. So mm -hmm. that's how it works that way. But then if you go to next levels and you want to become a, a priestess and things, then that's an elevation or an ordination or, or whatever. And we take you to that higher level. Wow. Very cool. Okay. Well, I I have loved every minute of this. Thank you so so much. Um, and you, I've got the links, and you shared them as well. And I will post those up um, as well with all of the video. Um, but I, you, I've just just been blown away. Um, thank you so very much for joining me here and uh, and sharing, um, and and for sharing of yourself and, and your books and the knowledge. Um, like I said, I, I feel like I've already learned so much just in the short time we've had together. So 
And yeah. if you're interested in knowing more, just send me an email and I'll send you all the course details. And if you're interested, we can go from there. And just finish your program. Just remember, witchcraft the way, the powers that be. For the young and the old, the bold and the free. The path is to know, the path is to see the way of the ancients as it used to be. Blessed be everyone. Blessed be.